0: Hi, and welcome back to the Beauty of Conflict podcast. We know you're busy, and we want to make it easy for you to understand how conflict may likely be showing up in a way that's impacting your team negatively. We've recorded the first three chapters of our book for you to listen to for free. Get your free audio sample at thriveinc.com forward slash free sample. That's t h r i b e i n c dot com forward slash F-R-E-E-S-A-M-P-L-E. Hi, this is Chris Marie Campbell. And this is Susan Clark. And today we're going to talk about the idea of self-responsibility. And we've flipped it around to you are able to respond, response able. (laughs) (laughs) And we thought there would be, Susan, you have such a, a powerful story with what happened to you early on in your life. Why don't we
1: just start with that? Okay. And I I just want to add, I mean, part of why we're doing this is, as we mentioned at the start of the year, we're doing all of this work for our journey in writing for the beauty of conflict.
0: On Rally. You folks don't know what a journey is, but it's a piece, a body of work on this online platform called GetRally.com.
1: And that's what we're creating. And so this came out of some writing, generative writing that we were doing. And we thought, hey, this would be a good topic for today. So. All right. Well, for me, this idea of responsibility or response able came as a result, like you mentioned, of when I was facing my health challenges. And for those of you that have never heard this story, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I was diagnosed with an advanced cancer process, stage four non Hodgkin's lymphoma. And at the time, I had a real positive belief that my di- medical team was going to take me through it. And I was like, okay what whatever i need to do although i admit i was a little bit overwhelmed by the diagnosis however i just thought okay i you know i guess i would say i was actually kind of pissed off angry i didn't think it was fair but it was <laughs> like this is where i am so okay i'll do what they got a plan and like 9 months into that plan after being on a very more uh, an experimental process chemo regiment my doctor informed me that it wasn't working and that they didn't have alternatives and at that moment you know it was like you need to realize you you have probably 6 months to live and that that was like a a moment in time where everything froze mm-hmm. and i i do recall walking out of there and thinking i actually picked up a flyer about life death and transitions by elizabeth kubler-ross about dying because i thought okay I got to figure out how How to to die. die. (laughs) And yet what, you know, as I stepped out into that, I mean, and I had actually did get to work with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and she was actually the one who pointed out to me, like maybe they've told you when you're dying. All of us could die tomorrow though. And you're, you know, you're just stuck in dying. You need to learn how to live. And that was a really powerful statement to me. Like, what would that mean to learn how to live? And in some respects, I was also beginning to hear from various people, you know, you need to take more responsibility for your health. And honestly, I was kind of pissed off about that. Like, are you telling me I created this? Like, what the hell is that?
0: Is that more like in the self-help community? Because I don't think most average people think you have to
1: You causing your health. They would take, oh, my doctors, if you were responsible, you would be following the plan we gave you when I was not doing their plan. So everyone had some version of responsibility. (laughs) And often how it landed on me is I am to blame for this mess. And it wasn't like an inspiring, (laughs) nurturing, nurturing, you know. And yet at the same time, this message from Kubler-Ross about you got to stop dying and live. I really realized, oh, living would mean I got to deal with whatever's facing me right now. And I must have some choice in that. And that's when I started to tease apart this word responsibility and the idea that responsibility is at its roots, able to respond. And it sort of dawned on me, I am able to respond. I mean, I obviously did, was able to respond to dying. I picked up the flyer and went to a Elizabeth Kubler-Ross workshop, I I started to realize responsibility didn't have to mean I was to blame. And that's where I was getting stuck. Mm. And when I was in that blame place, I was reactive to my life, I was felt helpless, I felt a victim, all sorts of things. And the moment that I realized really responsibility, able to respond, was freedom, choice, possibility, Agency, another word that's used a lot these days. And agency,
0: because many people, you know, I didn't know that word. That's more of a psychological word. Can you define what you mean by agency?
1: Well, basically, I am an agent in my life. I have choice. I have power. I have ability to engage in some way on my own behalf. Mm -hmm. And so that's Mm -hmm. basically what it
0: means. I was thinking about, like, even... Looking at ways that we don't recognize we have that choice. like even you were responsible because you did the treatment. Yeah, it didn't work, but you engaged in that. That was a form of okay. you,
1: you know, responding. yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: well, what happened next? Well, my health did begin to turn around as I began to look at like, because the whole was as I started to take on this idea of response able, I started to look at, oh, you know, I don't need to take blame for my illness, but I can look at where in my life was I not taking responsibility in other ways. And for me, that ended up transpiring into looking at a whole lot of issues from the past that I'd never looked at and having, I mean, I actually really did think I was dying. So it was a lot easier to look at them because it was like, I'm only dealing with this now because I'm dying and I want to do it before I die. So, and it was some really hard stuff to look at and make choice about owning what I believed happened or. Didn't and all of that. And it created a heck of a lot of conflict in my world between family, community. Even my doctors were mad at me. There was a lot of stuff where it was like, okay, you're making choices we don't agree with. Or, you know, that's not what happened. And me having to choose, no, well, I do think that's what happened. And I want to live that now so that I.
0: It is, you know, it's tricky. And when you go back to look at your past, because we do this in ACA, Adult Children for of alcoholics. The first thing is you take an inventory and you actually look at what happened to you. Because a lot of us are unwilling to look at what happened when we grew up that may be influencing what I'm doing now. And it can seem like I'm blaming my parents for you were the alcoholic, you created all this. And there is kind of a phase you go through with that. But the real healing starts when you realize, you know what, I'm X years old, I'm 45 or 55 years old, and they're not here anymore. And I'm still making these choices. And having the intervening on my own behalf to change
1: that. And that's not necessarily an easy choice because it's wired in our brains. Well, also, I think what often happens is you flip the switch from blaming your parents to blaming yourself. Or vice versa. Well, I had a choice and I didn't. I didn't choose. I ended up doing that. And, and all of that blame is just an energetic waste of fricking time. I think, I think we blame, at least I know
0: I blame when I usually don't want to feel probably my grief or my helplessness. And it feels like, and it's not necessarily, I I think it's a phase or a tool. If you get stuck in the blame tool, you're, you're never going to get out, but I don't want to make you know, there is this point where you have to get almost your your life force rise up to be angry enough to say that was wrong.
1: You well, did that. Well, I, you know, I think the whole key here is like, cause people often say, to me, you know, even when I was going through it, it was like, I, I remember thinking, I do feel a victim here. This sucks <laughs> that this is, you know, that this happened to me. And at that point though, the difference is I had some, I was owning, I am going to be a victim right now. And that's a whole energetic difference too. Right. I have some- You're taking responsibility yeah. for saying you're a victim. Yes. And and I remember once someone saying, and I do believe this, like if you're going to be a victim, do it big. <laughs> like just be a victim. And yeah. so you really, it's not that that's all wrong. Yeah. You know, and so it's so easy. It's wrong to be a victim. It's wrong to be, you know- Wrong and, to blame and, your parents. It's wrong to, yeah. And all of that is just energetic- Mm -hmm. nonsense. (laughs) It's like, it so stops the actual energetic experience of living life. You know, what's interesting about it is that, you know, when my life was so kind of life or death, that actually was easier (laughs) because there really was, you know, it's like, I got nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. So choosing to engage in something that was uncertain, unknown, I, I didn't have anything to lose. You had a bigger unknown death. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) I have found over the years that it's much harder now sometimes to be able to respond because... I don't, it's, you know. The stakes aren't as high. The stakes. It's kind of like uh,
0: being a, it's so easy, Susan, for me to blame you when I'm upset about something like, well, you didn't actually get that. You didn't, you didn't check this. And so that's why we're having this issue or you didn't take the garbage out. And that's why we have this, whatever's going on in the house or whatever it is. And I have started to recognize that doesn't feel good. It doesn't solve anything. It actually starts a fight with you versus, okay, I never, I knew it was garbage day and I never asked her. And of course she's been gone. So she didn't realize, you know, like, and there's this, when I do that, there's this pulling back of power or energy, even though I have to face, yeah, I made a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. it didn't work. But there's this, I, I you can't see my hands, but it's all this energy kind of comes back versus me trying to make sure you're doing the right thing is such a waste of time.
1: And, and here's the, the thing. The ability to respond does not have a damn thing to do with the actual outcome, which actually <laughs> I think really does cause people like a lot the, of distress. Why should I do it? You know, <laughs> Because there is no guarantee that just because you are being response-able means you're going to get what you want. Yeah, It just means you actually have more freedom, choice, and agency, more possible, more liveness.
0: Do you have a, a, like a concrete example of where you can
1: kind of walk the listeners through? Well, I mean, probably another really big, powerful one for me was when I was applying to become a landed immigrant in Canada. And I was, you know, I was in my place of, I deserve this, you know? (laughs) And I remember Again, my, my wise mentor person, then Wong, said to me, No, that's got nothing to do with it. You you don't deserve this any more than anyone else does. You want it, and that's a really good thing, but you don't control whether you get it. Yeah. And you have to live what you want, whether You can't live as though you deserve to get it because that's still in the future. It's kind of, it sounds like the same thing Elizabeth
0: Kubler-Ross said, you need to live. So like owning, I want this. I'm going to do things to make it happen. I'm going to engage, engage. And if it doesn't happen, if I stay and I deserved it, then I'm going to blame versus, hey, I did everything I could and the chips fell where they may. And I feel good that I did everything I did.
1: And uh, usually by that time, the outcome isn't as important. Mm -hmm. Like even when you get what you want. You know, it's like, maybe you get what you want, maybe you don't, mm-hmm. but it's like all of a sudden the engagement in that process in a real, alive, full way, you realize the outcome wasn't the purpose. Yeah.
0: This yeah. is, this is interesting though. I, you know, when, when I coach in particular women, but it does happen with men as well. They're like, well, you know, I want to raise or promotion, but you know, I can't ask for that or, you know, this environment, they won't give it to me. So my boss doesn't believe in me. I'm not going to do that. So they talk themselves out of even bringing up the topic Mm -hmm. versus finding a way to say, Hey, this is the next step. I want to move up to this position. And I think I'm ready for it. Now, if you don't tell me what we need to do to get me there, Mm -hmm. and maybe I get it, maybe I don't, but at least I'm showing up as fully as me versus talking myself out of it. Mm -hmm. Because when I talk myself out of it, I feel smaller. I feel like the boss has all the power and I'm just this helpless victim. Right.
1: And I mean, I I would encourage you, Chris Marina, I'm going to talk about this for a minute related to your own experience with rowing. Mm -hmm. Like I know, you know, you went to the Olympics, you went to national champion, you, you got lots of, winning under your belt. And my story is, I know you've talked about this, when you lost at the Olympics, you were like, that's <laughs> it. That's it. <laughs> and here's the thing. That's what happens when you rely too much on an outcome. Mm. And yet most of the time when you were rowing, my story is, yeah, you weren't that fixed on whether you won or lost. You were fixed. You wanted to win. There was no question you were going for it, but you weren't like... in you still recognize, and you eventually own this even around the Olympics, there was so much about that that was worth it. Even, we weren't losers. We did the, the stuff you gained. Mm-hmm. But so often, and I think in, in the world... Well, you yeah, want me to... Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> Tell me where I'm wrong. <laughs> you don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't. I just wanted to speak about it as yeah. my story. So yeah. I do think, you know, yeah, I even started rowing. My parents didn't think I should row and but I just was, I just was interested. I was like, this is cool. I wasn't even an athlete. You know, I didn't let that stop me. So I was engaged and then I met people and I was a part of something. There were so many other things, even as I started to, we started to win at Washington. I always had my teammates. Mm. And so that was a soft place to land. I was a, it was a little harder on the national team when you were kind of like everybody for themselves sort of thing. But in my reclamation of that experience, I know that I got to go to the Olympics and it was a great thing. Yeah. So it's completely flipped around versus what I did is I blamed myself after the Olympics. And that was such a painful process. Yeah. And it caused a whole bunch of health issues. Yeah. That implosion of that, I'm to blame for our loss and (laughs) I'm not good at anything. Oh man, it was a dark, dark 10 years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I mean, I think about that, like, we work in the corporate world we work in the business world and often one of the biggest challenges is helping people own that they have are able to respond and not necessarily change their boss their Leadership team there. Even if they (laughs) fail at a project, that
0: somebody could take like I did the Olympic loss and feel like the the Scarlet A or a big loser on their head. Versus, wow, what did I learn about that? Like I'm not going to. That's a whole different energy, and it keeps somebody focused on improving and moving forward. And when you own, yeah, I really. Called that one wrong, then it's not, nobody else can use it against you. They may try, but it doesn't like feel that way because you're like, yeah, I did make that mistake.
1: And so I really do believe when you, if you pay attention to where in my life am I giving away my own power to how I want to feel, how I want to live, how I want to be day to day, and really look at is that really could I do something different? What could I do different?
0: And this comes up, you know, it comes up in relationships because people say, well, people, when I'm talking to them, they'll say, well, I can't say that to my husband or I can't say that to my kid because they, you know, I'm afraid they'll, they'll reject me. I'll lose the relationship. And it's very painful because like somebody has a transgender son and that transgender son is very sensitive to anybody saying anything about their experience. And his mom wants to talk about, wow, just all these, her feelings and about it. Now she's found other resources to actually talk and learn and discover, but she's trying to find some way to, how can I connect to Mm -hmm. you around this issue without you just going away? And she's terrified of him going away.
1: Yeah, that makes, I mean, And yet all you can do is decide if I'm so terrified that you're going to leave me or then I've already left. That's really the thing you have to, I left Mm because I didn't bring myself to the equation. So you kind of already are there. At Um, the leaving. At the leaving. Somebody's (laughs) left, (laughs) you know, and there's not a relationship there. Right. And all you can do is keep coming back and saying, this is still something I'd like to talk about. And then mm-hmm. let's see what happens. Yeah. Like it's not.
0: I think people do make rules yeah. and cut themselves off and think, okay, they said it, you know, they've said it three times. I definitely can't versus being present and in the moment. And maybe there's an opening or maybe saying, this is me over here. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm struggling or I'm, I'm sad. I miss my daughter, you know, whatever that is.
1: I mean, here's the thing, you know, we started this with my own health story, which is like, you know, when you really are like life or death it is very poignant to alive life or death, you know, Yeah, feels it. But really energetically, our aliveness is kind of like that too. We are constantly making choices every single day to be alive or not to be alive. It's kind of Bruce Lipton
0: talked about grow or defend. Are we growing or defending each cell in our body is doing that all the time. So every time I go, Ooh, I can't say that I'm in a
1: defense. I'm and, not alive. I'm not growing. And it's not that if this isn't about always being alive. <laughs> living on the, you know, I know there's a lot of press out there for that, but <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about becoming aware mm-hmm. of the choice. There are some things that, no, I'm, that's not where I'm going to put my aliveness. So I'm not going to, I will defend. Another time I might grow, yes. you know?
0: So it, it it's the choice. I think it's actually turning up your awareness of, because I think they become habitual patterns and you don't even know you're in defense and defense defense. Mm-hmm. I have no choice. I've got to do this. This is my role. All these things that we tell ourselves. They're very deadening. Yes. Yeah. Very deadening. And so it's trying to find, Hey, there may be many more opportunities, or let's just even say one where you could make a different choice and say what you really think, do something that you really want in a way that makes you feel because when you do, when you act as an agent on your own behalf in that moment, your energy will rush and you will feel much more alive inside of you, especially if you've been making many choices the opposite. Mm-hmm.
1: And when you show up with that level of uh, aliveness, the actual future outcome is irrelevant. Yeah. You're right there and it's a without time and, you, <laughs> and that is where incredible possibility occurs is
0: available. So hopefully maybe this week you can look at where am I making, where am I telling myself a story that I have no choice? I've got to do it this way. I can't say that. And just try on that, hmm, maybe you could respond in a different way. <laughs> just just trying that on and see if you find some new possibilities. You are able to respond.
1: I hope you enjoyed this episode. Susan here. As a coach, A lot of my time is spent helping clients speak up in a direct and honest way in their relationships at home and at work. Chris Marie and I decided to create a speak up kit to help you do that for yourself. It's the best of our best work that we've gathered to help you. To learn more, go to thriveinc.com forward slash speak up. That's www.thriveinc.com forward slash S-P-E-A-K-U-T